I wonder if it's within our budget to actually get one more music stand so I don't have to. How hard could it be to get one more music stand <laughs> that I could just have for me? <clears throat> All right, here we go. So you see the title up there on the screen Teach Me to Do Your Will. Are you saying in your heart, yes, Lord, teach me to do your will. We're going to look at Psalm 143 today, going through my devotional time, and as I was reading through that psalm, it just kind of stuck in me, so I thought, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to speak on this one, Psalm 143. <clears throat> Excuse me. It is a psalm of David, and um, in this psalm, or in life, anyway, he was going through a difficult time. And this psalm shows the difficulty that he was facing. And it was kind of like overwhelming to him. Now, I don't know specifically what situation that was in his life, but, um, but it was an overwhelming time. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to read through the first part of the psalm. I'll have it up there for you also. And then when we get to verse 10, that's really what I'm going to teach on. Uh, but we'll, we'll go through all of the other verses previous to that. So, here we go. Verses 1 through 2. Uh, David, he goes to the Lord. And he says, O oh Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my cry for mercy. In your faithfulness and righteousness, come to my relief. Do not bring your servant into judgment, for no one living is righteous before you. And then in verse 3 and 4, David acknowledges that there is an enemy pursuing him. Now David was, I'm goodness, he was a king. Before he became king, there was a king pursuing him. And then, I mean, he had, enemies, I don't know what, how many enemies David had. But he was a warrior. He was a fighter. He was in all sorts of circumstances. I've never been in something like that. I've never experienced that kind of thing in my life. But I do know that I have an enemy also. And as I read through the scriptures, uh, the Bible tells me that I have an adversary that's actually opposing me as I go through this life. And this, you know, Satan, the devil, various names for him. But I know that he, he tempts me to sin against God. And he accuses me of my failures. And he is always oppressing, trying to oppress and discourage. And, uh, you know, we have an enemy too. So let's look at this next verse, 3 and 4. The enemy pursues me. He crushes me to the ground. He makes me dwell in darkness like those long dead. So my spirit grows faint within me. My heart within me is dismayed. David had difficult times, just like you and I do. And he was, he was dismayed. He wasn't sure what to do. But then he, he starts talking and putting his eyes on the Lord. And um, let's just read those verses. I remember the days of long ago. I meditate on all your works and consider what your hands have done. God, I'm not just going to look at this problem. I'm looking at you. And I'm going to remember what you've done. I'm going to remember the things that you have accomplished with your mighty hands. I spread out my hands to you. My soul thirsts for you like a parched land. 
Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. Do not hide your face from me, or I'll be like those who go down to the pit. God, you're my hope here. (laughs) You are my hope. And then, in the next verses, he states that his trust really is in God. You know, whatever he's going through right now, or at this time anyway, his trust was in the Lord. Let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love, for I have put my trust in you. God, I have put my trust in you. Show me the way I should go, for to you I lift up my soul. Rescue me from my enemies, O Lord, for I hide myself in you. God, I'm looking to you. I trust you. Now it brings us to verse 10, which is really what I'm going to spend the rest of the uh, morning talking about. In the midst of everything that David is going through, he asks God to teach him something. Even though it, was, it wasn't like a relaxing time. Okay, God, life is pretty casual. Why don't you just teach me some things now? Because everything's just going really well. It's not going really well. It's tough. And in the midst of the toughness that's going on, he says, God, teach me. Father, as we go through your word today, Lord, it's, it's very simple. And yet it's very powerful. And Father, I pray that we would have hearts also that just desire to be taught by God. Listening to our God. And you taking us through anything and everything that comes along in this life. And we come out, Father, with your victory. With your joy. With you. (laughs) With you. (laughs) And we thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Here's the text that we're going to be looking at, verse 10. Teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your good spirit lead me on level ground. Or it can also be translated, lead me in the land of uprightness. Level ground and uprightness, that word means both of those things. So translations vary a little bit. I want the first point I want us to look at, which is not the first line in the in that psalm or that verse, but I want to go there first. You are my God. I want us to look at that. You are my God. <clears throat> now, what David didn't mean when he said that, I want us to look at what he didn't mean. David wasn't using God to get what he wanted. You're my God and you're going to do the things that I ask you to do. That wasn't what he was at. God is not our great Amazon.com in the sky. He really isn't. Okay? We don't send our orders to God through prayer and then expect overnight or one week delivery for what we've asked him. Now, yes, we pray, and yes, God does respond to our prayers. But He's not our genie. You know, He's God is not our genie waiting to serve us. Now, sometimes we think that way in a little bit. 
You know, uh, we don't get to keep God on a shelf in heaven. And then when we have a need, we pray, which is kind of like rubbing the, 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 the lamp. And God appears, and He answers our prayers, and then we put Him back on the shelf in heaven again. God is not our genie. And if we don't get what we want, we don't say, well, you're just a bad God and I can't trust you. What is David saying here? For you are my God. Is he your God? I think David understood that he was created for God. There's a huge difference from having the mentality that you were created for God as compared to the mentality God is meant to do everything you want Him to do. There's two huge differences. And as you go through life, if you see you were created for Him, then you approach life a whole lot differently than if you think He exists to do what you want Him to do. And we have to straighten that out in our minds. Scripture straightens it out fairly clearly. We're going to look at a passage in Colossians, which is really talking about Jesus. But yet, Jesus is God. And uh, you'll get it. Let's just take a look at this. 1 Corinthians, excuse me, Colossians chapter 1, 15 and 16. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He is God in the flesh. We see God when we see Jesus. He existed before God made anything at all and is supreme over all creation. Christ is the one through whom God created everything in heaven and earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see. Kings, kingdoms, rulers and authorities. But the last part of the verse. Everything was created through Him. God made everything through Christ. But the last part of the verse is really what I'm getting at. Everything was created through Him and for Him. Are you part of creation? What were you created for? For Him. You were created for God. Well, I had a mom and a dad. They got together. I was born. That's. Let me just, regardless of all of that, the fact that you have come into this world, God is the giver of life. He sets the whole process in motion. You were created for Him. He wasn't created for you. Although it is amazing that He loves us so much. And He has, He gave His Son for us. I tell you, God loves us. He loves us. God is not taking advantage of people. Jesus, when He came, He served. He was God in the flesh and He came to serve while He was here on this earth. 
But we were created for God. When David said, you are my God, he, he meant, you're God. I'm your creation. I look to you. When we get that turned around, it just messes everything up. Because things don't make sense when we get that turned around. Because God just doesn't always do everything we want Him to do. Or am I the only one that's ever experienced that? I haven't had every prayer I've ever prayed answered the way I wanted it answered. <clears throat> but God is God. I've shared this story before, but it's so applicable. Nathan, our son, he's sitting in a high chair when he was a child. <laughs> he was pretty young. He could talk, but he was pretty young. Sitting in a high chair. I don't remember what the situation was. He was at the table. Something happened. And Lori went up to him and said, Obey Mommy. And he looked at her and very clearly said, Obey Baby. <laughs> he had things kind of turned around. And if we had let things really go the way he wanted to, our house would be in an uproar, okay? It would be a mess if Nathan was running the house. Do you really want to be running your life and just telling God what you need? Do you really want to do that? Or do you trust God to be God and let Him run your life? There's a big difference. There's a big difference. If you've received Jesus as your Lord and Savior, which is the most wonderful thing you can ever do, you don't belong to yourself anymore. You don't belong to yourself anymore. Let's just look at that verse. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20. Or don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. When you receive Jesus as your Savior, God sent His Spirit to actually live in you. You're not talking to God a long ways off. He lives in you. Everywhere you walk, He is with you. His Spirit is in you. Who lives in you and was given to you by God. God gave you His Spirit. You do not belong to yourself. You do not belong to yourself for God bought you with a high price and that price was Jesus he bought you with a high price so you must honor God with your body when you own something you get to do what you want to with it you know when you own it I own a car if I want to treat it really nice I can I don't want to treat it very nice I can you know but what would you do if I went and got in your car and started treating it however I wanted to would there be a problem because if there isn't there's a lot of nice cars out there <laughs> I just go take my pick right after the service now if it's your car it's yours we don't own ourselves anymore we don't go through life saying, I'll just do whatever I want to do. We belong to God. We're His. Which is pretty awesome. Because I used to be the devil's. Okay? And now I'm God's. So I like this much better. It's a lot better. 
David said, you are my God. In the midst of whatever he was going through and he felt overwhelmed, he said, you are my God. It was a, it was a statement of faith. And then he said, teach me. You're my God. Teach me. The word teach there means to learn, teach, to be taught, to be trained. God, teach me. God, train me. I'm going through a difficult time right now and I want you to train me. I want you to teach me. I need to learn some more about your will, God. David wanted to be taught by God. David wanted to be trained by God. Do we want to be taught by our God? I mean, those are big questions. Those are big questions. My high school principal thought that he could force my older brother to learn. And you'd have to know my older brother, Jay. Very stubborn. Very stubborn. So, I think it was, it was either a sophomore or junior year. And I was, I was one year behind Jay, so I was in high school also, but he was a, uh, a year ahead of me. He signed up for Spanish class. And then after a week, he decided, I don't want to take Spanish class. You know, so he was going to drop the course. And it's not that Jay wasn't intelligent. He was intelligent, but he just decided, I don't want to learn Spanish. I just, I just don't want to. And the principal wouldn't let him drop the class. He said, you're going to take this class. So Jay showed up in class. Every time class was there, but he never cracked a book. He never studied. He never did any homework. He did nothing. He just went to that class, sat in that chair, and then he left. And he did that the entire school year. He wasn't as it should be. No, I'm not, I'm not promoting that, okay? He, he wasn't that concerned about his GPA, evidently, because it definitely took a dive after that. The Spanish teacher passed him because he knew Jay never wanted to be there and he gave him whatever you can pass with. I don't know, D minus, whatever. I mean, it was the lowest grade you could possibly get and still pass the class. He didn't want to learn Spanish. He didn't, and the teacher was a good teacher. I took the Spanish class, you know, next year. He was a good teacher. Now, Lori wants to learn Spanish. When Josh was taking Spanish for high school, and did a class here in town for Spanish, Lori took the class with him. She wanted to learn Spanish. Last week, Lori's reading in bed, and I'm looking... She's reading a Spanish workbook. And I, th- I think I said, you're strange. <laughs> I, think, I think that's what I said. But she was enjoying it. She was just reading a Spanish workbook. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, who is this woman? She wants to be taught Spanish. Josh didn't. Excuse me, not Josh. Sorry, Josh. My, my brother Jay didn't. You can't force somebody to learn. You, you can't force somebody to learn. But if you want to learn, you can learn a lot. 
And David, in the midst of the difficulties, was saying, You're my God. Teach me. Teach me. Show me how to live this life. I, I like his, his hunger that he had. <clears throat> do you think your own personal understanding about life is sufficient? Or do you need some help? I personally need some help. Okay. I kind of lost confidence over the years in my own ability to always do the right thing. So, I really want help. I want God's help. I want God to teach me. And uh, do you know how you know if you really, really, really want God to teach you? There's a sign. You're thinking. When I see somebody that has made the decision, I'm going to read God's Word. When they've made that decision, that is the sign that they really want God to teach them. Going to church is another sign. It's important because God will teach you as you come to church. But church is once or twice a week. It's a long week. You know what I'm saying? There's a lot of days in that week. But when somebody will open their scriptures, their Bible, and they'll start reading, man, that just shows me they want to be taught by God. And uh, I pray that all of us want to be taught by Him. Let's look at this passage in, uh, excuse me, the back up one, I think. Let's see what we got here. 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful to teach us. God wants to teach us. It teaches us what is true and to make us realize what's wrong in our lives. It straightens us out and teaches us to do what's right. It is God's way of preparing us in every way, fully equipped for every good thing God wants us to do. It's not, it's not complicated. I don't understand everything I read in the Bible, but over time, understanding comes. But the things that I do understand, you know, I want to walk in those things that I do understand. God wants to teach us. But the next point is a really important point. This is what David was saying. You are my God. You are my God. I am yours. Teach me to do your will. Teach me to do your will. And it's amazing, he prayed that even in the midst of a very difficult time. I can understand praying that when things are going really easy. Yeah, God, you know what, I'm ready to learn now. Teach me to... He is overwhelmed. And he still prays, teach me to do your will. Teach me to do your will. Let's just look at uh, the next part. David wasn't perfect. If you've read the life of David, a lot of awesome things in it, but there were some times when he made some really bad decisions. And as a leader, there was one time when thousands of people in his kingdom died because of a really bad decision he made. And people tried to talk him out of making that decision before he made it. So he wasn't perfect. He made some mistakes. 
He wanted God's will. David wanted, listen, in Acts chapter 13, Paul is preaching to a group of people and he's going through some things in the Old Testament as he's teaching them about Jesus. And look what he says. He brings David into his sermon, to his message. After removing Saul, who was the first king of Israel, who decided not to obey God and started doing his own thing. After removing Saul, he made David their king. He testified concerning him, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. Look at this next part. He will do everything I want him to do. David, as a young boy, it was in his heart, I just want to do God's will. God picked him when he was a young boy. He was a shepherd watching sheep in the fields. And God picked him to be the next king. And as David went through the difficulties of, uh, well, you read the stories, my goodness, all the things he went through, he he just wanted to do God's will. He wanted to do God's will. And even in the New Testament, looking back, it says this about him. God picked him. He had a heart after God. And he knew he would do what God wanted him to do. David wanted to do God's will. I want us to look at some other places concerning the will of God. Don't, some people get really kind of nervous about God's will. They don't want to miss God's will. What if I'm out of God's will? This isn't something the Lord wants us to be nervous about. Okay, this learning to be in his will is a process, growing with him. And he, it's not that we never make mistakes. I mean, I thought I was in God's will at times and found out I wasn't, okay. But it's the attitude of the heart that's huge. Do you want to be in his will? It's a process of learning to be in his will. But is your heart to want to be in his will? That's the big thing. Jesus, obviously he's our example in everything. And when he came to the earth, more than one time he said, I'm just going to do what my father tells me to do. I'm going to do what my father tells me to do. Matter of fact, one time he even said, that's his food. Jesus, the disciples were talking about food, kind of like guys do, they talk about food. And then Jesus said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. Jesus said, that's my food. That's what keeps me going. I just want to do his will. I want to finish what he gave me to do. And then the next verse, John 6, 38. For I've come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of him who sent me. You were born in this earth not to do your will. You were born to do the will of the one who gave you life. That's your purpose. Your purpose is to walk in God's will for you. And you learn things in the process. Like I'm saying, don't be nervous about it. Just love Him and want to be in His will. And ask Him to teach you. Goodness, He wants to teach you. He really does. I'm going to look at some verses next where God 
is through through Paul and through some others is speaking to the churches to Christians who gathered you know in places there's Ephesus and a couple other places and God says some things about his will and I want us to look at those verses because they certainly apply to us he's writing to Christians those who have received Christ as their savior <clears throat> look at this next verse when Jesus, the disciples came to him, they saw that Jesus prayed quite a bit. And they came to him and said, teach us to pray. And then Jesus said, this is how you pray. And this is, a, uh, you know, a lot of us have memorized this. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. Here on earth, just as it is in heaven. One of the principles in prayer and talking with God is desiring His will. And His will is good. His will is good. Sometimes our will and God's will don't always line up. But let me ask you this. Which do you think will turn out better in the long run? If your will and God's will don't quite line up, and you have to live with the results of embracing one or the other, which would you really rather live with? Your will or God's will? Because God really does have the best for us. He does. And uh, some of the best lessons I've learned is when I kind of knew what God wanted me to do, but I decided I wanted something else. And so I went with what I wanted. Oh, wonderful lessons. <laughs> wonderful. Never forgotten. <laughs> and I'm not going to share any of this morning, okay? But let me tell you, typically the consequences don't get over within a day or two. It's something you have to live through for a while. And it's like, oh my, this would have been so much easier just to have embraced God's will. I, I got it. I got it, God. <laughs> okay. I got it. And in His graciousness and in His mercy, He just embraces you and takes you from there. But I still have the memories. Romans 12.2. Let's look at that one. <clears throat> Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. You used to do this and this and this and think like the world here and think like the world there and act like the world here and there. Yes, that's the way you used to be. But things are different now. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be, re but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Transformed. I like that. You're changed by the renewing of your mind. Your mind needs to start thinking differently than it used to. Now, I have found that the thing that causes my mind to think differently is getting God's Word in it. That's really what changes the way I see things, the way I, you know, it just... It talks about how the washing of the water of God's Word, you know, it just kind of washes and sets things in order. So, in this passage it says, don't, don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world. Don't just give in to that stuff anymore. But be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then, 
I like this. You, this is personal, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. You will know what His will is. You will be walking with God in His will. You will experience it yourself. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. God's will for you is good. It's pleasing. It's perfect. God's will for you. Let's look at a few others here. Ephesians chapter 5. Be very careful then how you live. Not as unwise, but as wise. Making the most of every opportunity. Because the days are evil. Now this was written a long time ago. The days are kind of evil today too. (laughs) Okay, (laughs) They are. They are advancing more and more towards that. Uh, Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Now, if you keep reading, I stopped there, but if you keep reading, it starts listing things that are His will. My goal isn't to show you everything that's God's will this morning, okay? Because, you know, that's way too much. But my goal is to encourage you to want God to teach you His will. His will is good. Let's look at this next one. It's in Ephesians, a little further on down. God talks about everything. Work hard. Is that in the Bible? Yeah. The will of God is that you work hard. You mean I can't slough off at work? Well, you can. But you're out of God's will when you do. He wants you to work hard. Work hard. Do not, uh, but not just to please your masters when they're watching. Don't look like a good worker when people are watching and then just kind of slough off when they aren't. I... I worked for a a farmer for a while when I was, I wasn't, see, it might have been before I was in high school. He gave me just the rattiest jobs ever. But anyway, it was a job, you know. So uh, we were out in this field that the trees had been bulldozed and they were going to put an irrigation system in and they had this flat wagon. It was a hay wagon and a tractor. And our job was to go around and pick up all of the, everything that didn't get buried by the bulldozers, all the wood, the sticks and everything, we had to pick them up by hand and throw them on this trailer. So we're out there and it's all just dusty and dirty and everything. And <clears throat> So this one guy that was older than me, I don't know where he came from, he was, I just met him, but he was, he was uh, older, so he was driving the tractor and then uh, the rest of us are out there in the dirt, you know, pulling, digging up sticks and stuff out of the dirt and throwing them on this wagon, or the slap bed. And this guy... I mean, you'd pull the wagon to an area and then you'd be there for quite a while. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't like you're just moving along all the time picking stuff up. There would be a ton of sticks. And that guy would stay on the tractor the entire time. And there's two other guys, you know, young kids out there. And he just sits there the whole time. I am getting so irritated with him. 
because he should be down there helping us. You move the tractor, you turn it off, you get off the tractor, you help pick up the sticks, you get that area done, you get on the tractor, you move it to the next area. I mean, it's not a complicated thing. But he stays on that tractor all the time because his job is to drive the tractor until the boss comes. Then he's off the tractor just working like crazy. And that was just the way he functioned. If the boss was around, oh, he was a great worker. As soon as the boss wasn't watching, he was a thorn in my flesh. (laughs) So, God says, no, don't do that. Work hard, but not just to please your masters. When they're watching, as slaves of Christ, do the will of God with all your heart. Do the will of God with all your heart. Work with enthusiasm as though you were working for the Lord rather than for people. With your heart. Let's go to Hebrews. A couple more. We'll be done. Hebrews 13. I didn't put all of the verse in there, but I, I just wanted to get the main point. May the God of peace equip you with everything good for doing what? His will. God wants to equip you to do His will. His will is good. As we walk with Jesus, His will and our will, they pretty much line up after a while. You know what I'm saying? They just kind of line up. We become more and more like Him. Starting off, there can be some differences. What is pleasing to Him, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And here's the last one. 1 Peter 4. It's talking about suffering. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude. Life wasn't easy for Jesus when he walked on the earth. Okay, there was... He came against a lot. He wasn't really liked by religious leaders and and, uh, eventually he went to the cross. I mean, things were difficult. Christ suffered in his body. Arm yourselves also with the same attitude because he who has suffered in his body is done with sin. If you're going to stand against sin and going to walk with Jesus, there's going to be a certain amount of suffering that comes with that. Right. And it says just have the attitude that that's the way it is. Because <laughs> the world will kind of come against you, but that's okay. But look at this. As a result, he does not live the rest of his earthly life for evil human desires, but rather for the will of God. See, God is taking us from wherever He's taken us. Whatever we were into, whatever our mindsets were, whatever we were in bondage to, He's taken us from that into a place where we start to learn what His will is. And we start learning to walk with Him in His will. And let me tell you that the end results of being in His will are so much different than the end results of being in my own will. There's a huge difference between the two. There was in my life anyway. A huge difference. So David is going through a tough time. God, if you don't get me through this, I'm not getting through it. But even now, teach me your will. For you are my God. You're my God when things are going good and you're my God when things are going tough. I am yours. I am yours. 
it would be nice if all of us automatically learned these things as Christians. But it is a process. Do you want God to teach you? Do you want Him to teach you His will? Do you really? Are there any things He's telling you right now that you're kind of having a tough time with? Because sometimes that happens. So today, I'm going to have the worship team come on up. Thank you. Thank you, worship team. And you can go ahead and just start playing quietly. <laughs> the elf is doing well. <laughs> Church. <clears throat> Hallelujah, Jesus. I worship you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus.